Hello and welcome to Tader's Life. Today I'm joined by my good friend Charlotte, who's been really, really open about the fact that she has bipolar type 2. We met on the Channel 4 production training scheme and today is going to be an awareness episode. It may be triggering for some people, but without chatting, we're not going to raise awareness. So without further ado, let's welcome Charlotte to the podcast. Woo! Hey! Hi, everyone! <laughs> I'm so excited to be having a chat with you today. It's going to be a really good episode I can feel it yeah thanks for having me I'm excited to be part of this thank you so much before we get into all of it how's life been how's life been treating you have you been good what's been going on life is busy January is just difficult I think January is difficult for absolutely everyone it's dark it's cold it's just quite bleak and then I think like Christmas I just find Christmas quite but I find it intense oh no yeah bang on there and so I'm I'm feeling excited for spring and I did dry January oh well it's pretty cool you know I've never actually done dry January before well that's a lot I tried and I think like 10 days in I was like oh cheeky mum won't hurt but I just want to know, did you gain much from that experience? I think it really, I sort of felt connected to my feelings. If I would say if I had a bad day at work or work, I felt really like busy or overwhelming. I might be like, oh, I'm going to have a glass of wine when I get home. Uh, But instead it was like, I was sort of like, okay, this is why I feel like this. And I process things a lot easier. So it's definitely, I definitely will take some things from it. Oh, definitely. Um, Would you do it again? Probably would actually. Right. Let's get into the awareness because... Yeah, let's go. I don't actually know too much about bipolar in general and then I know even less about bipolar type 2. So when you told me that you had bipolar, for one, I was like, really? (laughs) Two, I was like, I don't know much about that. So can you kind of like give me a chit-chat about how you discovered that you had it and the diagnosis process and all of that? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I will preface this with I am not a medical professional. So (laughs) some definitions that I give will only be based on my experience. So I'll just get into it. Um, When I was in my second year of uni, well, at the end of my first year of uni, I was feeling really, I started to feel really depressed. um, And I'd always felt very anxious, just like as a person like even as a little kid like I was quite like worried and then that just sort of manifested like in my teenage years where I was just like would have panic attacks quite a lot and then would like be very controlling about like certain things. Was there anything in particular that maybe you wanted to have more control over? I really enjoyed school but I put like a lot of pressure on myself to like perform quite well academically um, which I think may then obviously just made me way more anxious. And then when I got to uni, I was sort of like, I need to relax. Like I need, I can't put this much pressure on myself. How did you find, I mean, feel when you went to university for the first time? Um, so my uni, exp- like this, when I started university, I actually felt quite relaxed. And then it was the end of my first year and I could just kind of feel it all sort of bubbling again I was like oh I feel really anxious went to the doctors and then nothing really kind of came of it and then sort of the summer of my first year of uni I was feeling really really down and really depressed I felt like I couldn't really do anything like I felt what's the word I just yeah I just didn't feel like I had like room for anything other than just sort of like sitting in like my room on my own like in the dark 
Um, like I had no energy, I was exhausted. Like I felt like it really affected like my appetite. So you didn't want to like socialize or just do anything basically? No, like I felt like very, iso- I, I felt like I very much isolated myself. And I, th- and I think that's such a common experience of depression for like a lot of people. But I think I, I don't really ever remember thinking like, oh, I feel depressed. I just sort of was like, this is like not, the, the sort of, like, I guess the sadness that I felt was so intense that I, I couldn't really put my finger on what it was because I, I hadn't experienced it. Yes, yeah, so and then nothing kind of triggered these feelings. You just felt down and everything. Yeah. And then I went back to university um, and it maybe it was like my third week back, the start of my second year. So I moved out of halls, was living with my friends and I just still like couldn't, it had been like a few months now and I like still just couldn't get out of feeling just really, really depressed. And my two of my best mates sort of turned around to me and they were like, oh, I really think you should like go to the GP. So like, bless them, they like called up the doctors for me and they like walked me oh, to the doctors um, and they like waited outside for me. So like, that was really great. Um, and then they, the doctors put me on uh, sertraline, which is an antidepressant. So I started taking that and I, it just, I just had such a bad reaction to it, like very quickly. So I just, I, I mean, I don't think this is true. And like, I don't think this is scientifically possible, but I just literally feel like from the first like time I took, the first dose that I took, I just felt something was like off in my body. Really? Um, but I just don't think that's true. I feel like now I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that was weird. But like, I probably didn't, but that's my interpretation of it. Um, but I just felt like, because also when you start a new medication, you are like there are side effects and you do feel really unwell like a lot like well I always just have had quite a lot of side effects when I've started new medications um so I was carrying on taking it was like staying in touch with the doctor but then I just and it was like really like suppressed my appetite like I was like really struggling to eat I felt so much worse like I felt really like very like in a dark sort of place and I was like staying in touch with the doctor and they were saying like, oh, this is quite normal when you sort of start on a medication. Like it can be like quite bad for like two weeks. So then sort of like a month goes by and I was just like, then my mood was going quite, like I felt like my, I was like, my mood was going quite up, but I was just like, oh, maybe it's working. Like maybe I'm starting to feel better. And then I started to experience like hypermanic episodes. So that's kind of the distinction between bipolar type one and type two with type one I think is the one that people sort of most commonly like associate with like hearing bipolar which is like a full-blown manic episode you maybe have like delusions or um psychosis like hallucinations things like that and that can be hospitalized and it's obviously really dangerous and then with type two it is so hypermanic it's like a little mania so it's not like a full-blown and like often people with type one will also have hypermanic episodes that can then maybe like build into a manic episode. Whereas with type two, you just have the hypermanic episodes. So the smaller episodes last for a shorter amount of time. So like, so maybe my average would probably be like five days, a hypermanic episode. So you could be really down for five days and then really up for five days. So I'd say the down period probably last for a lot longer like I'd say it could be down for like a month or so oh wow and then and then it wouldn't be like I'd be down and then suddenly up like I could sometimes be like down and then feel all right and then it goes up 
or maybe I'll I'll be up and then it will just completely crash and go down. But I think in the ups, I very much felt because I because I was feeling so bad. I initially thought, oh god, I'm really starting to feel better. Like this is really great. I felt really chatty. Like I was literally talking to everyone. Like I'd be in bloody Sainsbury's, like chewing some person's ear off who's just trying to do their shopping um just like running around Bristol I was spending so much of my student loan on just like buying random shit on the internet um <laughs> like it was just such extremes of things like I would just be going out drinking all the time like just always looking for like the next thing to do or the next place to go do you think that was kind of like a way of you trying not to get into that like dark place again where you're just trying to keep on doing things and keep yourself occupied I guess so then you wouldn't fall into that place again I don't really know I think it was probably more because it was so um it, it's it feels so out of your control okay um and like there's there's things I sort of have in place now that I know that if I like I can spot the warning signs a lot better now if my mood is going up Um, the warning signs it was there was such like a euphoric sort of feeling that I had like I just felt so happy and it's like it was like I'm it it feels so like kind of unnatural to imagine like now because it's so like out of nothing like I remember I'd just be walking to the library and I'd be like grinning like kind of like felt like I was in like a musical like in like an opening I'm like it's there's such like joy that's like but it's not it's not really joy because like I'm acting in certain ways that are just like completely out of my control and like ultimately are like quite harmful behaviors um but I like I just couldn't it's I think it's one of those things that like it's really hard. You don't you don't know why it's happening, so you can't really stop it. So when once you'd like gone through the doctors and stuff and they said about the medications or what have you and you thought you were like getting better and all of this, what happened then? Did they did you go back and say, you know what, I'm feeling fine, I don't need the medication anymore? Like what kind of got the ball rolling? So I started to feel better, which now when I look back, I'm like, that was probably like my first ever hypermanic episode. And then completely crashed, was feeling like very, very depressed, like couldn't, like didn't leave the house, like didn't go to uni. Like I ended up missing like two of my exams in January because I just like could not get out of like the house. And then went back to the doctors and I was like, I'm just having really like intense mood swings and I don't I don't know what it is I don't know if it's the medication and (laughs) first of all they were like is it your period um which I was like oh such an annoying thing to say um and I was just like no it's not my period um and they're just like oh okay what we'll do is we'll up the dosage and then maybe maybe that will sort of even out your mood so I was like cool like okay so they upped the dosage. I just, then my mood was like just really catapulting and then like crashing down. And then a couple months later, I just, I remember I called my, I called, I think my sister or my mum or one of my family members. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel so out of control of like my emotions and my body. And like, I just don't feel like I was so scared. So then I went back to the doctors. And then at this sort of point, I'd been like Googling it and, had read that 
if you have bipolar, you should not take antidepressants, like particularly SSRIs, because it can really trigger you to have like episodes and particular like um, manic episodes or hypermanic episodes. When you started taking your medication, I guess, was that kind because you mentioned how you thought that was going to that was your first manic episode. Do you think that was like the ultimate trigger? I do. Well, so I went when I was speaking to so, like the kind of conclusion that we have come to now is that I probably it probably would have maybe come out at a later point. Yeah, because uh, I was like 20. And I think a lot of people that get diagnosed with bipolar is typically in like your early 20s. But I think the antidepressants just like really triggered it. I think like the more research I sort of was doing on it at the time, it's not a common experience because I guess I don't know how many people have bipolar. I feel like it's like 4% of the like population or something, I guess. But a lot of people are on antidepressants. So like, I think it's quite... It, it, it does happen and there is like research on it to suggest that like the antidepressants will trigger like those kind of episodes if you do have that and then yeah so then eventually after like bloody like a year and a bit I saw a psychiatrist got diagnosed with bipolar type 2 and then went on lithium which I am still on and like I've been on like a few other medications like here and there but like that's the one that I've like consistently been on since then how do you manage your emotions now like is the medication like doing it for you or are you dealing it with some other way so the medication I think is I mean it really it really does the job and I think I was quite lucky because I I think it can take quite a long time to find a medication that works for you um I felt quite lucky in the sense that like I started lithium and it it kind of worked relatively quickly Oh, well, not like, I mean, it, I think it took about like three months till I felt like, okay. Like as like a baseline, I feel like it kind of keeps me in check. Um, so like I might have, if my mood starts to get a bit low, I don't necessarily feel like it gets as low as it used to. That's and like, my, yeah, which is really good. And like my mood doesn't really get very high anymore, which I mean, it's kind of meant to stop. Uh, well, I mean, that's our point. But um, when it has gotten high, I've either just like upped my dosage or been prescribed. Like, I've been, I was on like antipsychotics, like maybe like this time last year, but I'm not on them anymore because they were fucking shit. Um, but also, I think medication can be really good and it can be something that works for like people. But I don't think it's like, I think I started taking medication and was like, why is there not a pill that's just gonna like fix me and everything will be okay? And like, that's not really the reality of it. And so I've been in therapy for mm, four or five years. No, it can't be five years, four years, I would say. I was going weekly for a really long time. And now I kind of just drop in and out. And like, I've got a really great relationship with my therapist. And I think that is the thing that really helped because it meant I could spot certain signs of when my mood was getting low or getting high that I just couldn't recognise at all. So your therapist kind of put it all into perspective for you type thing. Oh, definitely. And I think just like going to therapy is something that really, really like has helped me so much. When I got this diagnosis, I was so like, oh God, like this is me. Like I've got like bipolar and like this is now my whole like life. And it's so dictated by this thing that I don't even know what's causing it. And like, I know a lot of people say that like uh, mental health problems are like chemical imbalances in your brain. Um, But I know that's also quite a, 
contested theory within like psychology so I was so like oh god like this is just me like this is what person I am and it's like I think going to therapy kind of made me consider the wider context of just my life and also like the world in which we're in like there's things that are going to make you feel like shit like in your personal life and like just in the world around us and I think to get for me to get really caught up in what's essentially just a label that I'm not even like it's just essentially like a list of symptoms that a lot of people fit into like it doesn't to me now I just it doesn't really mean that much I know what how I need to be supported what I need to do for myself and like what I can sort of do for other people and I don't think it really matters what label I put on that absolutely and I think the fact that like chatting about it like even today is going to help somebody as well and you know it's so good that you go into therapy because a lot of people maybe need therapy outside of their invisible conditions I guess Mm. the fact that it's there to help you through life and having bipolar is something that's really really quite incredible and I think more people maybe need to do that including myself I know (laughs) I need therapy but hey ho (laughs) I've got a podcast now it's getting (laughs) who needs therapy who needs therapy (laughs) but um I wanted to ask as well so earlier you mentioned how your friends took you to the doctors did Mm. you have any like negative effects on friendships or relationships like did people just not understand why you were feeling this way like looking back on it now feels so weird because it just feels like such a different sort of life and I think it was hard like in terms of friendship it was hard because I had was only in my second year of uni right at the start you're living out of home like living with all your like kind of new friends who don't they don't really know you like I had a very supportive group of friends growing up but because I wasn't really seeing them as much I didn't really speak to them about how I was feeling like too much and then felt like I was really sort of burdening my kind of new friends so I think for like for me I then became quite anxious of how I was around people and then I also think my mood going up could sometimes make me really angry and really irrational because I know when I was saying about like hypermanica episodes earlier I was sort of presenting it it was like it's kind of fun like I was just so happy and it's like there's some really awful awful times where like I just felt like I'm literally like I'm like rolling around in like gravel like I feel so like uncomfortable in my skin and like I there'd be times where like I just felt so like filled with like anger and like you'll you'll be off with people you can shout at people you can just like not be that nice and I think when you're going through a really difficult time it can be just quite maybe like it's slightly a self-preservation thing to be quite selfish and to not recognize how you're sort of talking to people. and obviously there's certain things when you're having like hypermanic episodes are kind of like it feels quite out of your control which I, th- well, I think is why I found therapy really good because it's given me sort of another perspective on what I'm saying and how I'm like behaving. But I think that, that that was hard for my friends because I could just be really horrible. Like, I feel like now if I like say like my, I'm really close with my flatmate. If I sort of snapped at her this evening, I, I would hear it back and I would, I would be able to pick up on like the response that like that was upsetting to someone or like something like that. But I just would be so quick to anger that I would just really snap and then feel like quite, I guess like indignant that like people didn't really understand what I was going through, but it's like, you're still talking to people like shit. And I think that really does affect your friendships. The fact that you can see that now is 
just incredible and it shows growth for a second can we just go back to when you said that you missed two exams due to you know your feelings what have you to uni was obviously a huge area in your life at this time how did the uni kind of deal with it all um they were quite shit um I, I won't say the name of the uni but it was really it was I think they made it a lot harder for a lot of students who were really struggling I, I was able to miss two of my exams uh because we sort of had a system where you kind of could self-certify from exams and then come back and do them in the summer but I was missing a lot of uni because I just wasn't really like it wasn't really my number one priority was then email sort of like my tutor my tutor that I'd been given or like lecturers and be like oh I'm having like these like quite severe mental health difficulties like I'm really struggling to attend um I'm feeling really anxious about like being in like groups of people is there any way that you could help me sort of catch up and like there were times like to this day there'll be people that I emailed that never responded to me um and this was sort of pre-diagnosis so I just sort of said like oh I've been really depressed and anxious um but I was just getting like very few responses a couple people did respond to me and I'd like go around to their like office and they'd sort of like kind of tell me what was going on but we're sort of just like, well, you need to attend. And it's like, that's really fair because obviously like these lecturers have put a lot of time into like creating like this for us or whatever. But I really, it just wasn't very supportive. Like no one ever chased it up. You say that they put a lot of effort and stuff into it. Completely get that. Kudos to them. Well done. But mental health is so much more important. And this was all before COVID, wasn't it? Yeah. So they maybe didn't have like powerpoint so didn't do anything remote or anything like that yeah so didn't even like zoom in or anything like that so well, yeah it might be a bit different now with like uni experiences in regards to working from home but yeah your uni actually didn't even reply to you for the most part is shocking it's so bad and like it's such a common experience of like with my friends who went to that university where people would have like mental health problems or like personal issues in their life that were like taking up a lot of their time and the uni just were really sort of negligent of that and then when I went into my third year of uni and this was just before Covid so it would have been like maybe a couple months before Covid I had a meeting with like the head of my course and sort of just sat down was like I've been diagnosed with this like I'm really struggling to like keep up but like I know that I can like do it I just need a bit of extra support and she literally turned around to me and was like oh like if you can't do it I really think you should like consider dropping out um because we don't yeah 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 like my my last year and also like my grades weren't awful at that point like I was still like doing quite well she basically just said we can't support you so you should probably leave I had said to her in the meeting like oh it can be so lectures were all recorded but seminars couldn't be report, recorded because of I guess like GDPR and whatever else but I was sort of like oh like I think it would help a lot of people if we could have access to at least some of the like seminars because there would just be bits where like the like professor would be talking but like students wouldn't be at that point so that like, you could just record those bits if people don't want to be recorded whatever 
And they were like, no, 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 we don't have the capacity to do that. And then COVID happened and everything was on bloody Zoom and everything was being recorded. So I guess that made it a bit easier because in terms of like the accessibility of being able to keep up with what I was doing. But yeah, I just think they handled it really, really poorly. Like I just felt so unsupported by the institution. And I think it is just so like inherent in those kind of places where we're not really treated very well. No, absolutely. And it's so easy to just give up on something because essentially that's what they were doing. They were giving up on you. They were like, well, if you can't do it, then we're not going to support you. That is awful for an institution. I obviously didn't go through like the same experiences with you, but my uni, they were really quite supportive of things like this. Like I found one lecturer that I got on with really, really well. And I would like speak to her about my issues and then she would sort Mm -hmm. it out. But for a lot of people, they might not have that sort of relationship with a lecturer. And I think it's so important for lecturers to be like a friend, I guess. You shouldn't be afraid to speak to them because they're in your yeah. three years. is quite a long mm. time. And for that person, whoever that may be, to say, oh, well, you should just drop out is shocking. And considering <laughs> you just opened up about your diagnosis as well. Yeah. But you stuck it out and got a degree? Yes, I did. And then yes, I did a master's, which was <laughs> a real, real... All my friends were like, why are you still there? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, what did but, you do your master's in? Uh, Black Humanities. Oh, wow. And then your undergraduate, uh, what did you do that in? Uh, history. Oh, wow. I, d- I didn't yeah. know you did history. We've been friends for how yeah. long? I never <laughs> ask. <laughs> Going on to like my next sort of question, what advice would you kind of give your younger self that w- was going through this hard time, I guess? Because you said it feels like a different life. So times have obviously changed and you've grown as a woman and all of that stuff. But what advice would you give yourself? I would say just go easy on yourself. Like I think not knowing what's going on with you or like why you're feeling how you're feeling and when it's like such intense emotions that you feel like you can't really control you feel really angry with yourself and you feel well I did I felt like why is like, I was just like, why is this happening like I, I don't understand like I just felt so just upset and frustrated you need to give yourself space and time to work through things and you need to just you just need to sort of I think really just trust your instincts on things because I knew that something wasn't right and the doctors kept telling me that I was fine. And I just I just knew. And I, so I would say, if you feel like something... Like, you just trust yourself, I think, is the main thing. Like, you know yourself so well. Charlotte, do you have anything else to add at all to the podcast? Anything that you think is important to mention? I, th- I think labels such as, like, so say, like, bipolar can sometimes make you feel quite safe. And you feel like you haven't... And I feel like because I didn't know what was going on for so long, I felt like getting this diagnosis and like having a word for it made it a lot easier for me. And I think that is like partly so true of diagnosis, but I think a lot of those, a lot of the time, those labels can be used to cause harm to other people. Like people will be so disproportionately affected by those labels based on so many factors. So say like black men are five I think it's something like five times more likely to be diagnosed with schizophrenia and then um, that obviously can then lead to things like people being hospitalized for their mental health and all those sort of things that are really that can cause so much harm and trauma for people and so I think I'm sort of learning at the moment to think I think now I have such a grip on my own mental health problems 
I think it's really important to think about the way in which other people's problems are perceived based on wider society and also that community is so important and the people around you are so supportive and like that is something that should be built upon more than I guess like just sort of an individualistic approach to mental health um so that's kind of my where I'm at now with it but yeah thanks so much for having me it's been lovely to catch up thank you so much for being on my podcast honestly it's been so nice to have you here and for you to just chat openly about stuff like this as well it's kind of like a breath of fresh air to have somebody be so open about things that they're going through and stuff so I just do want to close this podcast by saying a massive thank you to Charlotte and also that there is more information and support on Bipolar UK which you can just type into any search engine and it will be up there for you and they offer a telephone peer support line and an online peer support community so thank you for listening to this podcast and I'll see you in the next one bye Charlotte bye guys bye